This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. This morning I want to share with you something that I believe is so critical to the vibrancy in the spirit for our church. Oftentimes there are things that affect a congregation that are for the most part unseen and they happen behind closed doors and oftentimes in our own hearts and no one else may be aware of what is going on but we are and God is. And sometimes there are challenges that brew and in those challenges that brew it eventually comes to light. But God gives a period of time and he gives grace and he gives teaching. His word is what should be our guide and our director. In our lives as human beings, so many times we can go by our emotions and things can become difficult and we may find ourselves responding in a way that we would have never thought we would respond when we are dealing with a highly emotional issue. Because of that, it's so critical that we be prepared in advance to be able to know what to do. And the guide for our steps is the word of God. As it says in the book of Psalms, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So it's so critical for you and I to get the word of God in our minds and in our hearts. Because it's inevitable that you're going to face a situation that is going to require you to be on the ready spiritually. And the time for the preparation for that moment was yesterday. So let's pretend that your issue is going to happen tomorrow. Today is the time to prepare. We cannot wait till we're at the precipice and go, Oh Lord, what do I do now? It's so important that we get ready in advance. And that's why staying in tune with God every single day helps us be ready for the unexpected situations. The wonderful thing about it is because God knows tomorrow, when you come into his presence the day before or hours before, whatever the time frame is, you watch and see God will give you exactly what you need if you're listening for the situation coming down the pike. I love how God does that. It's not coincidence. It's because he's our father and he loves us. For those of you who are parents in this room, when you see an issue brewing with your kids, what do you do? You try your best to prepare them for it. It's the same with our heavenly father. The issue that I want to speak with you about this morning is relationships. And we all have different uh, types of relationships, but some of the most critical relationships are the relationships between husband and wife. Now, for those of you who are not married in this room or were once married, uh, in the Spirit of the Lord uh, knows how to minister to your heart even in a sermon like this. So it's such a critical matter. We have people from all spectrums of life, and yet the matter of a marriage covenant is so critical that it cannot be avoided to be discussed on a Sunday morning though there may be those of you in this room that some of these things uh, may not currently apply to.
God's word is very clear. And it talks about the relationship between a man and a woman. And in, book of, in the book of Genesis, it tells us that when God made man and he made a woman, he said it was his intention that, um, that there would be a leaving and a cleaving process. What really happens in that leaving and cleaving process is, is that there is this change of authority. That you, when you leave your home and you go to live with your spouse, uh, there is a new domain that is established. Because of that, there is such a critical dynamic of this new boundary that is set up. In that new boundary, God needs to be the center for it to thrive. Now, in the practical realm, there can be challenges when those boundaries are not honored. And I'll just share with you in general that I have spoken with various uh, couples over the years, uh, some who have tried to overlap boundaries, and it becomes very challenging. Uh, when, uh, when a husband and wife get married, it was God's intention for the leaving process as well as the cleaving process. But sometimes there are those who do the cleaving but not the leaving. And problems happen. When you continue to remain under the domain of your parents, while at the same time establishing a new household, you're bound to have conflicts. And some people with good intentions, trying to save money, want to marry and to live in the house of their parents. Trouble is bound to happen. Why? Because God did not intend for it to be that way. There is this important stepping out of the nest to establish a new domain of authority. And when we try to circumvent that, there's all kinds of issues that arise. Especially when children show up on the scene. And mom and dad are trying to parent one way, and grandma and grandpa are trying to parent another way. And all of these things come into play. For that reason, God says, leave and cleave. In that process, there, God intended for those who cleave together to stay together. It's God's heart. Now, in this world in which we live, many challenges arise. But the word of God stands firm forever. So I want to share with you some key things that I believe are important for every single one of us to understand. And I want to read to you, you can keep your finger there in 1 Corinthians, we're going to be reading from chapter 6, but I want to go to Matthew for a moment, chapter 5. Whenever I have the privilege of being a part of, of marrying a couple, I always share with them and I ask them, before they get married, some tough questions. And I let them know that if they want out, that is the time. So we go over some basic things that are really critical to decide whether or not this is the right person for them to be with. And in that process, we try to push aside the emotions for a bit, because emotions can run real high when you're at the precipice of getting engaged to be married and uh, moving forward in, in married life, but there are many things that will occur after the fact that you need to have a sense of commitment because love is not based on emotion. Love is based on a decision. 
And what happens is, unfortunately at times, the love that sometimes couples can get involved in in the beginning is based on emotion. And then when the decision needs to be made, there's not a whole lot of decision process in there. And so it's very difficult to maintain the relationship later on as the honeymoon time wears off. But these words from the Word of God need to give us our guidelines for commitment to one another. In chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 31, listen to these words. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, you have heard that the law of Moses says, a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a letter of divorce. Now, this was a rule that was made up to say that if a man did not want to be with his uh, wife any longer, that he could simply write a letter uh, of divorce for her and they would no longer be married. But Jesus says in verse 32, I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Strong words, don't you think? So sometimes it's easier not to preach on these kinds of things. You know, because it gets a little dicey, right? But I believe this. If Jesus said it, it's worth listening to, don't you think? I mean, it may be easier to avoid it. But what happens when we avoid the word of God? We get into trouble. So, I'm asking you not just to listen to me, but to listen to the word of God this morning, because that's the standard by which all of us are going to be judged, right? Now, this is Jesus. The Bible says that the law came through Moses, but who remembers what came through Jesus? Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law can save no one. But Jesus came to give his life for us. So the grace and the truth came through Jesus Christ. The truth points out the purpose for the law. But that doesn't mean that the law is bad. The Apostle Paul goes over this over and over. He says the law is perfect. The problem is we can't measure up to it. So what do we do? Do we throw it out? No. We go to the fulfiller of the law to see how we can deal with this big thing that is in front of us that constantly seems to be a mirror to say, you're failing, you're failing, you're failing. Well, what do we do? We look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and we get direction from him in the most difficult of circumstances. So Jesus says, this is what the law said. And what does he do? He ups the bar. He says... The law said you can go ahead and get a divorce. But Jesus said, but I say to you, to anyone who divorces his wife for any reason other than unfaithfulness causes her to commit adultery. Strong words. And then he says anybody who marries her commits adultery. Wow. So how does that apply to us? Well, I want to make this statement. I believe it is so critical for us to live by is that God does not take a covenant lightly. That's the overarching point that we need to remember. When we make a covenant, God does not take it lightly. And so, once we enter into this covenant, 
we can sometimes in our own selves, even especially if we've been raised in the church or raised with godly parents, and we can come into a situation where we're getting married and we say, I will never, ever consider divorce. Never. I won't even say the word in my home. I won't consider it. And we can do that with good intentions. But the truth is, is every single marriage in this room will be tested if it hasn't been tested already. And the thoughts of splitting will come to the mind. It's what you do with them that matters. So what does God want us to do? When we have these moments when things get tough and difficult. So I want to I look now at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Because when a husband and a wife are married, there is a blending of two together, there is also a blending of responsibilities. And I want to begin in verse 14, and it says this, 1 Corinthians 6, 14. And God will raise our bodies from the dead by his marvelous power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? I'm going to pause there for a moment. This is very important for you to understand. Even though at a funeral you look at the body that stays in the casket and the spirit is gone, yet that very body in the casket, if that person knew Christ... That very physical body is also a part of Christ. Fast forward, that very physical body, when the trumpet sounds, is going to be resurrected. And life is going to come back into every single body in those caskets of those who knew Christ. So though you may look at that body and think it's all done, it's not done. It's just waiting. Waiting for the transformation. Now that's important for you to understand because this is a part of Christ. There used to be a teaching uh, many, many years ago, not um, this hundreds of years ago, and it was a teaching that your physical body and your spirit are so different your body is destined to decay and your spirit is destined for eternity. So therefore, whatever this body does, it doesn't really matter because it's destined for destruction. As long as your spirit is doing what is right. And so the theology went that if you did anything with this body that was simply doing something that went against the law or doing something wrong, that it really didn't matter as long as you weren't sinning with your spirit. Is absolute foolishness. Why? Because the spirit and the body are knit together. That's what it says in Psalm 139. We've been knit together. When you were being formed in your mother's womb, it wasn't just your eyeballs and your hands and all your, all your toes and all that. That was all, all good and well. But the knitting process was taking your spirit, putting it with your body, 
so that as you choose to do anything that you want to do, it's just amazing how God made us, isn't it? You want to raise your hand? You get to do that. You get to move everything. and It all happens in, in, in split seconds. This very body is a part of Christ. Now, how does that affect our marriage relationships? Very much so. Very much so. Listen to this. The next verse says, Should a man take his body, which belongs to Christ. Actually, this is the second part of verse 15. Should a man take his body, which belongs to Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you know that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scriptures say the two are united into one, but the person who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. And then verse 18, run away from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Or don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Your body was also bought and paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ. Every time you're tempted, you need to remember that every member of your body was bought with the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. And when we recognize that, and we understand that we are God's property, then we, are, we should live and act like that in our relationships. Now, in the relationship of husband and wife, God has intended that there are these boundaries. The enemy is always trying to tempt people with something that God has intended for good, and he takes something that is beautiful, something that feels good, something that is exciting, that God created, and he twists it, and he offers it to us at the wrong time and in the wrong way, and as if God never wanted us to have it. And the enemy will try to offer it to us, and that's where the temptation comes in. But when we recognize that even what Satan is offering to us is something that God would intend for good, we will recognize that God will withhold no good thing from those who walk uprightly. And so when we honor the boundaries of marriage, we receive all of the best that God has for us. And that's very important. God intended for spouses to meet each other's needs. The scripture tells us here in chapter 7, if we read on, it says the husband should not deprive his wife, which is her right as a married woman, nor should the wife deprive her husband. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband also gives authority over his body to his wife. So do not deprive each other of sexual relations. 
The only exception to this rule would be the agreement of both husband and wife to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that they can give themselves more completely to prayer. God says to the marriages in this room today, if you are choosing to withhold what is rightfully your spouse's, you are sinning against God and you're sinning against your spouse. It's very important that we recognize what our, what our expectations are from God and when we follow through on those, God blesses our marriage. But what happens is oftentimes it becomes a tit for tat. Well, you did that to me, now I'm not going to give this to you. And there becomes this argument internally. And what God says to us is we're supposed to consider each other better than ourselves. Not make decisions based on how we feel, but based upon the living word of God. And when we honor God, then God's blessing rests upon our relationships. God says that there needs to be an agreement. If a husband and wife come together and say, yes, we agree together that we're going to abstain, then that's okay. But for a period of time, and it says come back together so Satan will not be able to tempt you. And then he goes on to talk about the importance of remaining steadfast. Now, there are situations that arise in a, in a marriage where one spouse will make their own choice to walk away. For those of you who are in this room that have been on the receiving end of that situation, I say to you, do not allow the guilt of the enemy to, to rule and reign in your life because God has given every single person a free will. And it's very critical that we own up to any wrongdoings that we have done and we bring them before God and say, God, forgive me. But after that, what we have to do, and if we need to ask our, even our previous spouse for forgiveness, then that needs to be done as well. But you need to understand this reality that every single person has a choice in the matter. Even though Jesus died for every person in this world, everyone has a choice to accept or reject the gift. Of God's goodness. Uh, there is this idea thrown around that if a divorce happens, it's automatically both parties' responsibility. I don't agree with that. Because God has given every single person a free will. And I have seen situations where there have been people who have been faithful to God and lived under great duress and challenge. And the other party made the final choice to walk away, even though they were being loved and cared for. And so that departing spouse bears the responsibility before God. So what does the scripture say in those situations where you've done everything you know and against your will someone walks away? Well, the word of God has something to say about that as well. Look, look with me at 1 Corinthians 17. I'm sorry, 7 verse 15. If a husband or wife who is not a Christian insists on leaving... Let them go. In such cases, the Christian husband or wife is not required to stay with them, for God wants his children to live in peace. See, God honors our free will. And when, let's say, a spouse chooses to end that covenant relationship, they will stand before God for that situation. On your part, remain faithful to the Lord. And, and what the scripture tells us, and this is how I understand the word of God, is that 
when someone has walked away, the final ending of that covenant is when they take another step to commit themselves, body, soul, and spirit, to another party, another person. And at that point, that covenant is broken, and freedom is then given to the initial spouse to be able to remarry. But until that happens, there needs to be a waiting time, a praying time, not giving up, asking God for restoration in that marriage. And as that happens, there are miracles that God can do. I've heard testimonies of people who have already divorced. They had not married someone else yet, but God was working and prayers were being offered. And I remember this testimony. It was at the, um, it was at a church in New York City, Brooklyn Tabernacle. And the Spirit of God was ministering to these, this couple who had already gone through the whole process of the divorce. And I, I'm not sure if it was the wife or the husband that was really praying and believing God for a miracle. They would not get married uh, again because the other person had not gotten married again. And they were seeking the Lord. And so they went to this prayer meeting one night, believing God and trusting and just asking. They both ended up being there at the same time, although they did not know that they were there at the same time. And the altar call was given. And the spirit of the Lord and the one spouse came down just crying out to God for their marriage. The other one who had really been a, mainly the responsible party had walked away, came down to the altar and did not know but ended up kneeling right beside their ex-spouse, asking God for restoration. Well, there was the answer. They ended up recommitting themselves to the Lord and recommitting themselves to each other and ended up getting remarried because God is in the restoration business. Now, that's to say that we must not give up hope and we must not quit easily. We must be faithful to listen to the Lord. In our relationships, it's so important that we listen to the Holy Spirit. As we listen to the Holy Spirit, He is going to show us what to do. We're going to share communion today. As we share communion, there is this beautiful comparison that the Scripture talks about, that we as being the body of Christ, that we will one day be married to Him as our groom. We're considered the bride. There's this beautiful relationship connection between us and Jesus as it is between a husband and a wife. And God's heart is that there would be open communion between every man and wife, every husband and wife in this room. And that the spirit of the living God would have unity to happen in every area of their marriage. Now only the spirit of God can help that to happen. And this can be such a touchy subject because it's not something that you're going to share to everybody. Sometimes the challenges that can happen behind closed doors can be so intense and so challenging, and yet it can affect so much. And so I say to you from the word of God, as you allow the spirit of God to grow you and your spouse together, it's going to affect this entire church, and it's going to be a blessing. And so as your pastor, my heart's desire is to provide the tools necessary so that with the help of the Lord, you can remain strong and steadfast 
in your relationship to your spouse.